0: to a new episode of uh, LFC Talk at Hotel Tia. My name is Ragnhild Lunans, and I have to say Happy New Year to everyone, to all our listeners all uh, across the world. It's so fabulous that you are tuning in to our weekly podcast about Liverpool Football Club. Um, we've had a little break, but we are back, stronger and better than ever, or oh, what, David Fairclough. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm good and uh, relieved to be back. I really enjoy... Uh expressing some opinions and views on what's happening currently at Anfield and in the Premier League. So, yeah, really happy new year to everybody else.
0: And happy late birthday to you, being a January kid.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, obviously, uh, time of year, sometimes, well, as I've got older, I've kind of uh, decided I don't like too much celebrating another birthday, but uh, another year older, um, but hopefully, uh, you know, still little bit of still got energy and uh, and enthusiasm
0: and as someone said to me when I was fearing turning 40 that alternative isn't better you know not turning 40 is is not a better alternative is it
1: no I think at the end of the day it's only a number and uh, you're as young as you feel and um, yeah kind of um, I don't know, I'm a little bit embarrassed actually how old I've uh, I've become, I never uh, never thought I'd see the day but uh, here we are, 65 years old and uh, still remember being 16 when 65 looked a hell of a long way away.
0: But you don't age David so don't worry, you are eternally young. As everyone can (laughs) see I'm filming a little bit for our YouTube channel and David looks just as young and fit as ever. David we're starting this morning celebrating, we're going to Wembley.
1: Yeah, a great uh, night last night. Certainly, um, it's a great feeling to think that we're going to be at a Wembley final. It's something that perhaps we've missed. Uh, Well, we have missed. There's no two ways about it. But Jürgen maybe, it has been said that he he didn't really prioritise English Cup finals, FA Cup and uh, the Carabao. Um, But this year, there's been this different intent I've sensed and um, we all love it, a day out, a weekend down at Wembley and um, Liverpool do finals so well. It will be a great day. Uh, I mean, it's a, such a, it's kind of sad really in, the, in recent years when, you know, I think we've gone out of the League Cup, Carabao Cup, whatever you call it. Um, and I thought, well, it doesn't really matter, but come finals day, it's a little bit, env- you know, you're envious of the two teams that are down there at Wembley when you're, you know, filling the weekend in however way, um, uh, you know, to think that the two teams down at Wembley having a great day out and obviously competing for a, for a bit of silverware. So we're going to be there. It's going to be a big day. Liverpool, Chelsea, we're used to playing each other in, in finals and big games. Um, yeah, can't wait. It's going to be really, really great.
0: Talking about being used to uh, playing in big games, I love how people call Wembley Liverpool South. <laughs> Where did that come from?
1: <laughs> well, once upon a time, we were regular visitors and um, we, we got a, uh, that, that feel of being there regularly. So um, that became Liverpool South for a while. Um, Cardiff became Cardiff South, uh, you know, Liverpool For a a while, because uh, we made it a great habit of going to Cardiff finals. Um, But something that we've dropped out the habit of um, as Premier League and Champions League have become maybe the main priorities. But uh, you shouldn't underestimate the value that the fans place on going to uh, an English final. You know, uh, whether it's the FA Cup final or this one now that we've qualified. And who knows? We might even get to the FA Cup final as well. But um, Wembley's hard to beat. I don't think it's got quite the same magic as the old Wembley, if I'm honest, but still at all, it's Wembley. It's still fantastic. And um, we are a little bit disappointed, I think, the last time we went to lose out to, to City in the way that, that we did. But, um, yeah, you know, it's it's going to be tremendous. It's a great boost for everybody. And uh, and it's coming in a month where, obviously, we knew we were going to have problems with Mane, Salah and Kater going away to the AFCON. Um you know, it was going to be a case of how would we cope and with two big semi-final games in this congested month, um, we were always up against it slightly. So I think for us to have come through the way that we have done, I think is a great testament to the spirit, uh, What's gone, what's going on at Anfield currently. And, um, you know, all credits to Jürgen for how he's managed the situation.
0: We're going to come back to um, some of the um, uh, Jota and Trent magic from last night. But before we do that, when you look back on your time in Liverpool, which Wembley trip do you appreciate the most?
1: Well, you know, I, I played in the European Cup final in 1978, so, so that's the big one. I missed I was on the, the FA Cup final of 77 at Wembley. And I suppose that's a, every young boy's dream to play in a FA Cup final at Wembley. But um, I played in Charity Shield games, I played in League Cup finals, um, but it doesn't come much bigger than a European Cup final. So that's, you know, clearly my favourite.
0: Try to describe what that was like that day for you.
1: Well, in those days, you know, it was old Wembley. So that, that walk from the uh, the tunnel, you know, as you emerge, it's such, well, it's the biggest tunnel I'd sort of experienced up, at, uh, up to that point. So um, having been to Wembley, in, in years gone by um, you know to, to watch games I think it's something of a boyhood dream to uh, to make that walk up the tunnel and then as the the, 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 the pitch emerges and the sunshine um, it's just a, it's an incredible feeling to, to be greeted by in in those days a hundred thousand people um, it's something that um, I suppose you you never lose quite the the, the, the thrill, um, and it, and it's something that I suppose that you'd love to do time and time again. So any time that you did it, was uh, was something very very special. And as I say, I did it in in a number of ways, in a number of big games. But um, when you when you do it at a final, it's it's something very very special.
0: And what was it like afterwards? You know, when you won the game. Yeah, I think
1: the. Um, the moments in the dressing room perhaps um uh, sort of um uh, not too vivid, um, I think because in in those days the, the dressing rooms weren't very grand. Um it was an old stadium. It was built in the in the twenties. So so the, the dressing rooms kind of didn't really move with the modern times. So um so not really that memory not that much of a memory of uh, of enjoying that that period in the dressing room itself but um afterwards the 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 feeling of getting on the bus and then going back to a um, a banquet of some sort or some sort of party um I think a lot of players will tell you that we probably remember more the parties <laughs> than actually uh, the action that, that that took place on the on the pitch in, in, in on certain days, <laughs> so um, yeah, it's it, it, it's a fantastic feeling to to uh, to be on the winning side. I, I played in a in a playoff game for there and um, to lose at Wembley is is a bad place, but um, to to lose in a playoff game, particularly, uh, is particularly uh, you know nasty. So the the fun really of playing at Wembley is being there, and winning, making the walk up the steps. And, uh, and then coming down onto the pitch and then celebrating with the fans, it's, uh, it's, it's something that never, ever leaves you.
0: And talking about celebrating with fans, Trent said after the game yesterday against Arsenal that uh, winning the league at an empty Anfield wasn't quite you know what he had expected it would be like to win the league because the fans were not there. And now that team has finally got the chance to maybe, we can't say we are winning against Chelsea before we play, but maybe they can now do like a double celebration and, and celebrate a cup and silverware with the fans.
1: Well, Jürgen was, was very reluctant to, to get ahead of himself last mm. night when, um, when he spoke after the game. But um, you can't beat enjoying success with the fans. And, we were robbed of of enjoying winning the Premier League in front of a full Anfield, and obviously not being able to have a parade of of, of any type, and and there are some things that you'll you know you can never ever forget. I was very fortunate to be a part of winning. A number of, of league titles and, and I went on a couple of round the city parades and uh, the time that you you celebrate with fans is very much the best. You, I mean, you, you can't beat it. It kind of takes you back to when you were a kid and you were a fan and and seeing the team down on the pitch um, enjoying the moment of, of achieving success. So although Jürgen, as I say, said Winning the league was as, was as good as, uh, as any moment in, in terms of whether or not it was an empty stadium or a full stadium. It's the same. It's not quite the same. No. You'll, you can never, ever beat the fact that you know, winning a league title uh, with the fans, you know, you're basically at to shoulder. At my first league title, we won at Wolverhampton uh, at Molyneux. Um, it, it remains one of the biggest and best memories I ever had. Uh, one that was lucky enough to take part in a couple of celebrations of winning the league at Anfield, and, and they were absolutely amazing. And um, and I hope we I hope we see something like that this again this this year. Um, you know, enjoying silverware and, um, and and the celebrations.
0: And talking about. Um the two legs at the Carabao Cup. Um, the first leg, I took a friend who's battled cancer and survived cancer. And surprisingly enough, she had never ever been to Anfield before because her husband uh, was at Hillsborough and it's been too traumatic for him to come back until very recently. And there are so many stories like that, you know, well, of, of fans who never came back. Um, and I have to just add, I've just watched the TV series Anne on ITV. four four programmes did you watch it Mm, yeah what did you think
1: yeah that's very traumatic Um, it's it's such a uh, emotive time that um, not just particularly Liverpool fans lived through but um, ultimately for for everybody that that remembers the day um, I don't think you can fail to be um, affected by by the events of of what happened Mm um you know, naturally, we were very close to um, uh, to all the implications because we knew people who who had loved ones who had, had, had suffered in Hillsborough and all those things. So um, the fact that it's it lives on and um, and stories like this, uh, you know, Anne's sort of life and William's life being. Um, Documented in, in in that way, dramatized by Kevin Sampson, I, I think is. it's uh, it's it, it, it's strange, really. Um, it's an amazing piece of British history yeah. that is still being played out. You know, over forty years later, um, it, it, it's 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 amazing. It, it's obviously it, it's it's. From a uh, when you look back and, and see how our government and the, the, the four, you know the different bodies involved, police, uh, the the ambulance service, and all those type of things, um, how, how they, you know the part that they all played in in, in, in it's such heart- a tragedy, it's heartbreaking. heartbreaking, yeah, yeah, Just it, heart- it, it is, yeah, it's very emotional. And uh, as I say, the fact that it's still being played out, you know, forty years later, um, I think is a sign of of how massive. Um, a moment it was in in not just in Liverpool's history but in in, in British history.
0: And from a storytelling po- telling point of view, to to talk, to tell that story through one one woman, one mom, I think was so powerful too, because you just it just shows that the impact on on one of so many people. Um, and I hope this series is going to be sold to many countries because people need to watch this to really understand how it affected so, so many lives in Liverpool.
1: Yeah, very much so. I mean, I know, and I'm very close in particular to, to one guy who, who lost a son in, in Hillsborough. So I've seen it, you know, from from his point of view on a few occasions down the years. Uh, but I also got to know a number of the other families who, um, who, who had losses in, you know, who lost children, husbands, wives at Hillsborough I wasn't actually in the city at the time of Hillsborough I was playing in Belgium at the time in some ways, you know, not wishing to um, undermine it in any way. I was kind of glad that I was away from the you, know, the, 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 you know, everything that went with Hillsborough. I know from speaking to my mother and, um, and, and friends at the time that the cloud had put over the city. And in some ways, I'd say, I was kind of relieved that I wasn't really here to, you know, to, to live under it um, for, for a couple of years because, say I was I was away in Belgium. Uh, didn't come back for for a few years, but then, you know, as, as time has evolved, I've been involved in many of the uh, Hillsborough sort of um, memorial days, um, the charity days, uh, f- fundraising days, all those type of things. Uh, it affects everybody that's, that's that well, particularly from, from this city, mm-hmm. um, but but for many others who are who are connected to it by uh, by their by their love and um, link to LFC.
0: And if you are up in Anfield Road, uh, if you're visiting Liverpool um, or, if you, or, or if you live locally somewhere different to Anfield, have a stroll in Anfield Road and walk past the stadium, uh, past the arkles onwards uh, a few metres and then have a look at this beautiful uh, mural made of Anne Williams on your left-hand side. It is really, 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 really uh, outstanding piece of work. Um, so back back to the Arsenal game, uh, the, the the first leg, we did home. I had my friend with me, and she was so excited to be at Anfield. You know, being a local girl, and she's in her early fifties, and has never ever ever been inside for a match. Um, and I thought, you know, I'll I'll treat her to uh, to. Uh, to her game because we have so many cancellations now haven't we because of the COVID situation Um, so it was lovely to take her and I was so sad that Liverpool couldn't score for their lives Mm. playing against 10 men and I thought of all matches come on boys I missed Mm. Salah so much that game and I thought you know we're going to really struggle onwards but then Mm. the ship turned I suppose
1: it was it was kind of uh, a view into the difficulties of what January was going to be for us. Um, it was uh, the first game without uh, Salah and Mane. Um, and it was a disappointed performance. Um, you know, Jürgen has said that there were reasons. Um, and one of the reasons being that the group of players that took to the field that night hadn't had much opportunity to, to play. Well, they hadn't played with, with, with each other in that same formation and with that same style. Um and although sometimes when you when you playing against a side that are reduced to ten men, you, you think well it's going to be easier now because eleven beats ten every time. It isn't always the case, and as you know has been said, um, Arsenal defended very very well, yeah. and uh, and and the changes that they made, they brought in one of the biggest backlines probably in the, in, the, in the Premier League. I mean, four five really. Big, aggressive um, battling type of um, defenders um, they're quite rich in, in in that sense they've got you know physical presence Arsenal, um, not necessarily the best players, but big physical boys. They made a very difficult for Liverpool on the night, and it was a disappointing performance coming you know coming away. I spoke to many Liverpool fans, uh, everyone was really disappointed with the the overall performance because it, it did lack uh, it lacked a little bit of know-how it lacked tact um, um, and, and a lot of credit was heaped on Arsenal for, for defending the way that they did but they were playing against the Liverpool side that didn't really have you know certainly we were in at full power without Mane and Salah it's obvious what we miss um, and maybe Arsenal got ahead of themselves a little bit and um, you know I, I say speaking to Liverpool fans so some people instantly thought, "Well, that's our chance gone." I actually, and I'm, I'm not in in the minority. I'm sure I was in a in the, the majority. Felt that the second leg was providers us with still every chance of getting through because um, Arsenal couldn't play the same way as they did at Anfield in front of their home fans. The game would be more open for sure, um, and Liverpool probably uh, would have. Would, you know, were going to get their opportunities. Granted, we. Um, uh, we, we were able to you know we were we had to juggle uh, the, the the selection um, uh, that, that was available to us um, but Liverpool uh, away from home are, are you know are, are a tough proposition um, you know we had plenty of footballers in the in the 11 and and in Jota, we, we had we have a guy who you know who is a natural goal scorer and and um, it was never going to be a foregone conclusion, and uh, I always, uh, I did always fancy us uh, nicking it down the, at the Emirates. And in the end, it was a really convincing performance. I think um, over ninety minutes, uh, you can't compare the two uh, games at all. Uh, this was a one-off semi-final, um, and and Liverpool were cleverer uh, had that killer instinct, and um, and I thought we we taught Arsenal a lesson or two.
0: Yeah, talking about Arsenal, you know, I saw some interesting statistics uh, on, on red cards that Arsenal has been getting since Ateta took over. Um, and they have got 19 red cards since he came um, into the manager mm. chair. And compared to the second most um, uh, red cards in that period in the league, it's twice as many. Yeah, What is it with Arsenal's style of play under Ateta that makes them get so many cards red and yellow is it too aggressive or what's what's going on
1: um it's a lack of discipline obviously um five red cards i think for uh, for jacca alone in um in in sort of uh, such a short space of time and that that shows a lack of thought um you have to be cleverer than that i think if you're going to commit fouls know when you're going to commit them um Know what is the implications of any challenges that you make, um, and their manager would say on a couple of occasions maybe they they've been unlucky, um, and and you know maybe the punishment meted out to their players has not been the same to op- the opposition. But I think that's a little bit of sour grapes. But it, it is something that they they have to um, do something about. And in some ways, in the Liverpool instance, um, I, I remember thinking, well. You know, it's kind of no real uh, handicap for Arsenal because they were getting used to playing with 10 men on a, such a regular basis. Oh, gosh. Uh, I mean, for Liverpool, they would have to adjust their, their style and if, if it happened to us. But for Arsenal, uh, they've had more experience of playing with 10 men than anybody else. So they just kind of <laughs> fell into the pattern that they've, that they've had to do on many, many occasions. So uh, it's poor from a, from a, if you're an Arsenal fan, I think, to see your team... Constantly guilty of the same type of offence, and um, and clearly arteza has got to get his um, he's got to get his act in order. Um, and however he does that, you know uh, it, that, that will ultimately you know uh, fall down to him. But they've got they've got to improve if if they are to. It's going to hamper them if they're going to achieve. Then they can't afford to um, uh, be you know I say fall victim to, uh, to 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 being reduced to ten men regularly.
0: Well. Uh, in Trent, yesterday, it, it looked like we had two men in one. Uh, he was outstanding yesterday. He's, he's now, um, obviously, the assist king in Premier League with 10 assists. And I think, in general, in in, in all competitions, it, he's up to, like, 17 or 18 assists. Sorry, I haven't got the exact stats in my head. But um, he was outstanding again last night, especially going forward.
1: Yeah, he had a great game. And um, I, I think when... You know, we saw on television the the, the first goal analyzed, uh, particularly the movement and the style of how Liverpool built up that uh, the move that led to the goal. Um, it is it's very much a fa- you know it's it's a factor of our game that there's no no doubt about that. I think what Liverpool have had to add to their game though is that this killer instinct of taking the opportunities. I think we were still guilty of missing a couple of opportunities last night. Um, that you know we, we know that Liverpool's his game, his game is is based on getting the full-backs into attacking positions, and then it's about the quality of of the service. Um, Robertson's had you know fantastic times in in, in providing from the left hand side. Occasionally, uh, not not up to the quality of of Alexander Arnold, but certainly last night he came into his own. Um, and he, he, you know, he really did grab the limelight last night. And the fact that he played a part in assisting both goals, um, even more so. So um, teams know that if, they, if they're going to stop Liverpool, then they've got to do something about um, the service that Liverpool get from from those wide areas. Some teams are better are better at doing it than than others. Um, but last night, Arsenal didn't have that much of a. Uh, Okay, Martinelli had his moments of, of threat, but 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 generally, um, they they allowed Liverpool that their opportunity to, to to make progress, um, particularly down the right hand side, and we and we really made uh, we made the most of that.
0: Well, we um, did the uh, mistake of of saying Jota hasn't been his his best lately uh, at the beginning of the game, fearing he wouldn't score it, uh, last night either. I guess we have to sort of ditch him now in front of every game because he really picked up. Uh, What made Jota score those goals last night that he wasn't able to score at Anfield?
1: Well, uh, I think Liverpool uh, at Anfield weren't as clever as perhaps they they, they might have been. Um, we, We kind of concentrated on trying to break through through the centre, we didn't get that quality from the, from the wide areas, which is why Jurgen later in the game made the two changes to both fullbacks. Um, to, to try and get sort of more something from Williams and from Simikas. Um, but, you know, didn't give, he didn't give them that much of the game to actually to change things. But Liverpool were very guilty of trying to break through the centre of Arsenal. Uh, last night, obviously, Arsenal didn't have the same strength across the back. You know, they didn't, they didn't play with five defenders. Space was more available. We, we were playing more on a sort of counter-attacking style. Which suits players like Jota. Um, he's pacey, um, he likes getting in front of goal, getting near goal. That's where he does his best work. And I think in, in, the, in the first game, he was very much a victim of, of sort of uh, trying to break through areas that didn't exist. And we were, we were very, very guilty of getting clogged up. Um, so last night's game suited somebody uh, of his style much, much better, uh, as it would have done Salah and Manny. They would have revelled in in, uh, in the space that that ultimately uh, was there. But um, Jota is the the most natural of goal scorers that we have, I think, on on the um, on, the, on the, in the in the roster. Let's say um, more so than Sallar and Manny. Um, in, in my eyes, Jota is a natural goal scorer. He takes chances um, like you would expect a goal scorer to do. Um, and if he creates those opportunities, you know how lethal he, he can be. I mean, it doesn't take much for him to actually get on the score sheet. And uh, he's been a great success, I think. Um, you know, goal scorers sometimes will have games where you, you perhaps don't see them. They judge themselves differently. A goal scorer, maybe, if, he, if he's judging on how well he's played, he'll come away from a game and think, did I have enough shots on goal? Did I get into enough goal-scoring goal scoring opportunities? Um, on a couple of occasions, Jota might be a little bit guilty of that. He'll feel himself that he, he didn't make an impact, but he, he knows he's, he's got the quality. And if you get the, get, give him opportunities, he, he's going to take more than he misses.
0: My highlight uh, in between those matches uh, when we played Brentford was uh, uh, just uh, after halftime. Halftime, um, it was announced that Rafael Benitez was sacked uh, at Everton. And then uh, early in the second half, uh, the cop started singing his name, thanking him for his service at <laughs> Everton. <laughs> what did you think when you heard that Rafael Benitez has been sacked?
1: Um, well, you know... I think Rafa went to Everton with with all the belief and um, confidence that the his in his ability to to do something very positive for Everton. Um, I think he was dealt a bad hand in a, in, a, in a way. Um, he didn't have the players capable of playing to the style that he wanted to play and to deliver that consistency of performance that he demands uh, and his style and his approach to, to, uh, to coaching and getting the best out of players didn't go down too well at Everton. And he was always going to be in a very precarious position. Um, had he got success in the early, in the early weeks and, and what have you, he could have built up some momentum. Now, they had some decent results, but you always knew that once it started going against him, if he didn't have enough credit in the bank... Then there were there were going to be those that that really jump on it, and uh, unfortunately, he hadn't built up enough credits, um, and the the hatred and anger was uh, was was obvious uh, against him at, at, at Goodison. So I never really thought it was ever going to last three years. I mean, to be honest with you, I never thought even when he initially took the job it would last for three years. But I was a little bit dis- a little bit maybe disappointed that Evan Everton didn't keep faith with them a little bit longer because I think if they really want to go forward, um, they've got to make up their their mind on which way they're going. And I think continuity would have been better for Everton rather than sort of having that fear that maybe uh, they're they're in in a chance of relegating. I don't think Everton will get relegated. I think even under Rafa Benitez they wouldn't have got relegated. But I think they bowed to a bit of uh, fan pressure there.
0: Yeah, now the owner has poured uh, loads of more millions into the club and we don't know what they're going to use, spend them on, but uh, time will show. But we do know that a certain Steven Gerrard has spent some money on getting um, Coutinho, his Mm. old teammate, to Aston Villa and and he came with uh, an immediate success in the club. What did you think of that move?
1: Yeah, good move, I think. I mean, down the last year, 18 months or so, Liverpool fans have, you know, have said, oh, should we get Coutinho back? I'm actually not sure whether Coutinho would naturally fit into Liverpool's uh, system. But um, you can't doubt the quality of, of Coutinho. And I think it's a really innovative move by Stevie to, um, to, to get him out of Barcelona. Um, World Cup coming uh, on the horizon, um, I believe the the Brazilian manager would love to have Coutinho involved but Coutinho has to be playing football and and he has to be you know playing to a certain level and standard um, so he was there for, for somebody who was kind of imaginative enough to um, to take him and he found a way and I suppose you know Philippe would um, would have um Being amazed um, by the approach of Stephen Gerrard, I obviously haven't been a teammate of his. um, To get that approach, I think was a um, was the perfect lift for him. And um, I spoke to Stevie uh, a couple of days after uh, the the signing was announced. He was delighted. I mean, he couldn't contain his uh, excitement about it. He said that um, Coutinho was a naturally sort of like shy type of guy, and the problems that Barcelona had been facing throughout the period they'd been there, the management changes, changes of personalities and things. He wasn't big enough and strong enough to really um, impose himself on the situation. So unfortunately, he found himself a bit of a victim, really. But all Coutinho has needed, really, is the right arm around him, and um, I don't think you could you could get probably in his case anybody better than when somebody like Stevie, somebody who he admires as a player, admires as a friend. Uh, Stevie, you know, reciprocates that, that sentiment as well. Um, and he thought that the fact that um, Villa had signed Catinho then th- that it would, it would help them sign another couple of players. And, um, and they they not, they went slow to, to actually, to do that. They signed Dina obviously as well. So uh, I think it's exciting times for Villa. And, um, When he scores on his debut like that, then uh, it kind of looks like potentially it's a fantastic move.
0: And then we hear rumours about Suarez coming to. Is Stevie going to gather his whole old team (laughs) (laughs) in Villa? (laughs) That
1: would be, I mean, that would would be fascinating. And um, again, you know... They're members of the mutual society, Stevie and Suarez. They speak glowingly of each other. Mm. Um, and if it is only rumour, then that's a pity. But if, if if it was to be a possibility that Suarez uh, was coming back to England or was interested in coming back to England, then a tie-up with Stephen Gerrard would be... You know that that would that would make some headlines, and whether or not he, he's, he's passed he is his, he is past his best. There's no two ways about it. But whether or not he's able to actually uh, recreate anything that that we saw sort of uh, on a regular basis at Anfield, even bits of it would help Villa an awful lot. Oh, yeah. So it remains to be seen whether or not um, uh, you know there's, there's what ten days left of the uh, of the transfer window. Um, I think Villa might not have finished um, their spending.
0: I thought uh, Suarez looked a little heavy in in many ways when he visited Anfield uh, a while ago. But I have to also add, he is the most incredible Liverpool player I've seen live. Uh, And I am obviously a little younger than you and a younger fan than some of the listeners as well. But oh my goodness, he he can do stuff with that football, I have to say. Talking about the transfer window, do you think anyone else is going to come in for Liverpool in those last 10 days? I
1: I don't really think so. I think... um I'll be surprised. I think um, Liverpool's business model, I think, is is geared to towards funding the redevelopment of Anfield. Um, and once that's completed, I think we'll see a different approach to to bringing players in. Um, it frustrates Liverpool fans, I'm sure, to see a lack of uh, inward transfers. Um, but. Um, The way Jürgen does things, it probably shouldn't surprise us because very few players have come into Anfield under Jürgen and gone straight into the team and sort of played an active part. Um, Most players have have arrived and have taken a little while to be introduced to the system that that we play and how we want to play. Given that, I think if we sign somebody in the next sort of 10 days or so, I wonder whether or not that fits in with sort of perhaps how how Jurgen has done things in the in in the past. But I think there's clearly plans ahead for the new year. I think there's absolutely no doubt that Liverpool will be active in the uh, in the transfer market in in the summer. Whether or not you know that that. You know, it's just one player, I doubt. I think maybe Liverpool will be in the market for three or four new players next season, I think. Um, But Jürgen knows the type that he wants and he knows the type that will fit into uh, how Liverpool play and intend to play going forward.
0: We've had another sad loss in the club. So the flag is down on half um, as we drove past Anfield today. As Peter Robinson at the age of 86, has passed away, and he was the former club secretary. Um, and, and under he was in the club for 35 years, which is an incredible mm. service when you think about it. And and he's got 28 uh, major trophies um, uh, in the in the trophy cabinet during his time serving the club, and 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 of them, 12 league championships, which is you know. Um, Breathtaking when you think about it. Can you try to describe for us who Peter Robertson was?
1: Uh, Peter was a very focused and in-control type of man. I think um, he didn't court publicity, but was fortunate enough probably to be around football when there wasn't that much intrusion on the men who were behind the scenes. And, and Peter was very much a, a fixture of those times. Um I mean, you always, in the old days, uh, and people will, will see this in various books and magazines and things, he was always there at the, uh, behind new signings. Um, and that was generally as much as you saw of Peter Robinson. You saw his name on the, season, on the tickets and one thing another, B.B. Robinson. You saw it forever. Um, uh, but um, the only time you ever really saw or heard of Peter Robinson was when Liverpool were bringing signings in and then he would appear. With the chairman uh, or the manager, sort of around that sort of uh, moment that uh, new new players came on the scene. Um, so every a lot of things of what Peter was doing was was kind of mystical a little bit. I think he and uh, particularly John Smith were, um, were were inspirational in in sort of converting Liverpool uh, going forward. Um, John Smith. Being the chairman at the time of uh, Shank's resignation, and um, uh, and obviously they they worked together very very closely in in progressing Liverpool. Some would say at sometimes they were maybe a little bit guilty of, of missing the opportunity to make Liverpool greater than than what you know we we've, or we, it should have happened quicker. Uh, what you know? What has happened to say Manchester United? How commercialised they went? Um, the Liverpool sort of, but Liverpool kind of stuck to, in a, in, a, in a way of, you know, we are Liverpool. We do things in a Liverpool way. They coined the phrase: Peter Robinson, John Smith. You know, um, there was a Liverpool way of doing things, and for most of the football world, most people tried to copy that model. And uh, and and Peter Robinson was very very inspirational. And uh, and involved in all those moves, um, you know, you know, various uh, so it's, it's decisions and masses that he was involved in were were inspirational, and um, and and Liverpool can only be grateful for for the fact that they had somebody who was um, uh, who who became to love Liverpool as much as any. Native of Liverpool did, and and the decisions he made were all for the benefit of the of the of the football club.
0: And finally, um, we are now um, going to play uh, Crystal Palace on Sunday. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Big game coming up, uh, Palace. Never an easy place to go. Although our record at Palace is is very good, um, but we've. Um, We've been there in uh, in stronger sort of shape, let's say. Again, go back to the Mane and Salah impact. Um, it'll be a tough game for Liverpool to go. I think we'll have to face some anxious moments. I think the defense will have to stand strong, and and will be a they will be a big part of what we get out of the game at at Palace because if, um you know, we, we remain strong and resolute, sort of in midfield and defence. You might see maybe a performance that, like uh, the one we saw at Arsenal at the weekend, where uh, in uh, midweek, where perhaps uh, we're going to be a more counter-attacking style than, than actually on the front foot. Um, hopefully, uh, Oxley Chamberlain is um, you know is available. I think he adds something to um, to to the current squad. Um, but we are operating on, on kind of a, a thin selection sort of uh, group at the moment, so um, I think we're going to need everybody to go down to Palace, they, they've shown they can get some good results against uh, against some of the bigger teams, they're, they're a difficult opponent, saw them a little bit against Brighton, um, you know what you're going to get, I think, from from Palace. They're a big, aggressive team. They've got some quality in there as well. So uh, I think anything that we get out of the, a visit to Palace at this point in time w- would be deemed as a success, whether that's a win or a... A draw, even. I, I, I at the moment, I'd, I'd take a, I'd take a draw. No, if, no, no,
0: no. We don't. We can't afford a draw now. We're going to yeah. win the league. I am still, I'm still the optimist in the background. But you yeah. have to win every game. Then uh, I'd love to. I'd, lo- I'd love
1: to say. Uh, I, I think. I think the the, the odds on. Uh, on a, on a win is uh, at the moment. I'm, I'm kind of. Uh, I'd take a. I'd take a draw. I'll be honest. I think. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough. I think it's be a tough weekend. But let's hope uh, that the Reds can surprise me in particular, and um, and we could, uh, and we could scrape a, uh, a win of any sort.
0: I'm thinking. Uh, Palace is 11th in the league. They've only won one out of the last five games. We are uh, winning three-one.
1: Well that would, be, that would be nice and uh I don't see why we can't do that but I think it's going to take uh it's going to take a big effort I think on after the uh the win at arsenal uh, last night I think uh, you know yeah I think we're going to have to be uh I think hopefully the recovery is good and everybody's fitting well there's no uh, there's no sort of any other Problems for for the group, but um, who knows? the the, the, the feel good factor of uh, of getting through to Wembley may may really be a, a deciding factor in uh, in in our visit, and uh, I may turn it may, may turn it our way.
0: Well, until next week, I'll just have to say uh, thank you so much, David, for your uh, valuable and always so interesting inputs on Liverpool Football Club. And for all of you listening, thank you so much for listening in. And we'll be back next week with some exciting guests. This time we had so much to talk about. We couldn't even fit in any other voices because we had so much on the agenda. But until next week, take care, all of you. Talk soon.